Let's talk about for a second the generation I grew up in, the 80s. Where are my 80s babies? Come on, there you go. Raise them proud. I was nine months shy of being a 70s baby, but if you're 70s, 80s, anywhere in those decades, um, we didn't have Minecraft and Fortnite. No, we had to play with things like the Rubik's Cube, and uh, I still can't solve that. <laughs> I have no idea how to do that. Uh, we have things like the glow worm. Let's just be honest. That's creepy. You're sleeping with a luminescent worm. That's weird. Um, we had the He-Man action figures. Yeah, that was my jam. That was what I, the masters of the universe, He-Man. And then we had this watery slush substance that came out of your Snoopy snow cone machines. It tasted disgusting, but we pretended to like it. Um, this was the, when you grew up in that, that age, that time, that era, uh, we did things like we played. And when we played, we played outside where it was dangerous. <laughs> We didn't have bike helmets. Now moms are mandating bike helmets. We have bike helmets too at our home, but we didn't have bike helmets. I don't even remember having a seat belt. Anybody with me? Like when my dad stopped the car fast, it was like his arm. That was what protected me. Whoa. We had one of those um, big, long Cadillacs, you know, and it had, a, <laughs> it had that window seat. You know what I'm talking about? The back window, and I would lay in the back window and look at oncoming traffic behind us, right? And then my dad would like hit the brakes, and I would fly into the floorboard. And that's why everybody who's in their 30s and 40s has a bit of brain trauma this morning. That's why it's because we were in the back window where it was unsafe. One of my favorite childhood memories was my dad coming home from a business trip. And he, brought, he bought me something. He would do that. He'd go away. And then he would always come back. And it was always exciting because he would spoil us and he would buy us things. And one of the things he bought me, <laughs> it, it was a wagon. But it, it wasn't just any wagon. No, 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 no. It was the Rolls Royce of wagons. The radio flyer. This bringing back memories for anybody? Now, this is like a granddaddy. This is like the monster truck uh, of uh, radio flyers. But yeah, that, he brought that home, and that was so cool. And I don't actually have this. This, is, this belongs to the Taylor family. And they, they brought it up here on Wednesday. And my boys were, were, were taking turns just rolling each other down the halls. I'm like, it still works. It's still the greatest gift ever. They were like, Zach was like, I think I know what Jack needs for Christmas. He needs a wagon. Uh, but he, if you didn't know, let me kind of tell you, let me catch you up to speed. So, so this thing, you would put all of your, your, your stuff in it. Whatever you owned, your valuable stuff, you put it all in there. And then you pull it around. That's what you did. That's what you, that's, that was what the cool kids did, at least. You just pull it around. You put all your valuables, your dolls, your baseball cards. You put them in the wagon, and you pull it around. And, and again, that's what all the cool kids did. It got a little weird when I got to high school. But it, if you weren't somebody, if you didn't have the wagon. But it got me thinking and begging the question, what's currently in the back of your wagon? What's in the back of your wagon? Because we all have these metaphorical wagons and they hold the things that are most valuable to us, the things that we value most dearly, and you keep them in, in your wagon because they, they kind of represent your identity. They kind of prop you up a little bit. They give purpose and meaning to your life. And the concept of having a wagon and rolling a, around your wagon is not a new concept. In fact, our text this morning is Mark chapter 10 which we see this guy coming to Jesus and he's pulling his wagon full of his valuables. Turn to Mark 10. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen behind me. But this story is also recorded in Matthew and Luke. 
And in Matthew, it stars two characters, stars Jesus, of course, and then it co-stars this other man that Matthew calls young and Luke calls rich. And if you've been in church for any length of time, you know him as the rich, young ruler. And so if you've heard this story, if you've never heard this story, if you've, if you've not been in church a whole lot, uh, we welcome you. Uh, this is really easy to follow. If you've been in church a long time, you've heard this story, but I want you to listen with fresh ears this morning and find yourself in the narrative. I try to put yourself in the story and start asking your question, this question, what's in my wagon? What am I pulling around that's propping me up? What is it? It's kind of your identity. It's valuable. It's more valuable to you than anything else. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 17, it says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life. Now, I like this guy right up front because he's very enthusiastic. He comes running up to Jesus, right? He falls down before him. Good teacher, what must I do? So I can see this excitement. He's probably trying to catch his breath. What must I do? I, I want to do something. I want inter- eternal life. What must I do? I want to do something. Give me something to do. Give me a hoop to jump through. Give me a Bible verse to memorize. What must I do? Look at verses 18 and 19. Jesus answers, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And what's interesting about this verse is Jesus doesn't finish. And we know he certainly knew all of the commandments. And most biblical scholars believe that this enthusiastic, rich, young ruler uh, just interrupted Jesus, right? Because he's listing all of the commandments. And Jesus doesn't list all of them, probably because in verse 20, uh, the man replies, Teacher, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Just interjected. I, I, I've kept them all. Well, that's not true. Right? No one's kept them all without a fall. No one has done that. Chances are he knew them. But he didn't, he had probably a lot of them memorized. He didn't keep them all though. Maybe externally he kept them, but internally he had certainly broken some of them. All of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us sin. That's what Romans 3 tells us. But he's basically saying in this moment, I'm perfect. I've kept all the commandments. And look at verse 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. I just want to pause right there before we continue the verse because Jesus looks at him and loves him. What if Jesus' eyes were fixated on yours? What do you think the the stare you'd be getting back would be? If he was looking at me, he would be frustrated. There'd be a, a look of condemnation or shame or guilt or maybe with a sense of embarrassment. But Jesus says, I looked on him with love. And I wonder today if Jesus is not who you think Jesus is. What if when Jesus looks at you, he's not looking at you mad or disappointed. What if when he looks on you, he looks on you with love? Not because you're perfect, but because he's perfect and he made you. He looks on you with love. Some of you, that may be why you came to church this morning. You need to know that Jesus looks on you with love. No condemnation. No shame, no disappointment, no anger. Look at the rest of the verse. He says, one thing you lack, though, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. And that's one of the toughest things Jesus ever said. He said, go sell everything that's in your wagon, and then I want you to follow me. 
And notice when this man asked for eternal life, Jesus didn't comfort him with an answer like, oh, it's going to be okay, let's hug it out. No, he doesn't comfort him. He actually confronts him. He confronts him with this word, sacrifice. Sacrifice. Like, read, no, no, please, not that word. Please, anything but that word. I brought a friend with me. I told him you were funny, and you're talking about sacrifice. I know that's a very scary word. Listen, I'm not talking about money today. I'm not talking about money. Okay, sacrifice and money are not synonymous. That's, I'm not talking about money necessarily. Okay, the issue is sacrifice, not money. You can follow Jesus and have money. I do. I'm rich. I don't know if you can tell, but I shop at this very exclusive club called Old Navy, and uh, not everybody can shop there. And so I don't know if you can tell from my attire. But listen, I'm rich, and so are you. You're rich. Maybe not by Snyder, Texas standards, but by global standards where the average household income is $10,000 per year, you are loaded. If you made more than $10,000 in 2019, you are really, really rich. We're wealthy. We're wealthy. But the issue is not money. Money's not evil. Money's not the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that the what? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money is good. Money is useful. Money is helpful. It's not bad. Jesus wasn't telling this guy, I need you to be a philanthropist and give all of your stuff away and live in poverty and then you can follow me. That He was just exposing what was in the guy's wagon. He said, what's in your wagon is getting in the way of you following me fully. Jesus knew the stuff in his wagon would get in the way of the rich young ruler following him. And here's what's the most fascinating about this story. And I missed this the first 100 times I read this story. I always vilified the guy. I always believed that he was just this rich, young, materialistic ruler and just goes, ha, I'm not giving away my stuff. No, no, no. Jesus really wants him to follow him. He really, he goes, listen, you're asking how to get to eternal life. I'll show you the way. I'll take you there. You just got to get rid of this first. This is getting in the way of you really following me. Sometimes we got to let go of the stuff that's in our plan so we can have the more preferred plan that God has for our lives. Let me say that again. Y'all forgot how to amen. It's been five weeks. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Sometimes we got to let go of the things in our plan so that we can have the more preferred plan that God has for our lives. There you go. That was good. That was good. We'll get back in the heaven. Jesus is looking at him with eyes of love and saying, I want you to follow me. As a matter of fact, I'm going to lead you there. I just just want you to let go of the wagon. Look at verse 22. The man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. And the word sad there, if you look at the original Greek language, it, it means a progressive storm is coming. So I just get this picture of this man just being depressed and dejected and just, and just distraught, just walking away sad. Because he goes, I, I, can't, I can't give this up. I can't give this up. And I realized this guy wasn't pulling his wagon. This rich young ruler wasn't pulling his wagon. His wagon was pulling him. Because what was in his wagon, he knew was more important to him than God. By the way, God doesn't mind you having things that you adore. He just has an issue if you adore those things more than you adore him. Because ultimately, we weren't created to worship those things in our wagons. And as he walks away, Jesus says, hey, everybody, come in. And he gets all of the disciples close. And look at verses 23 and 24 through 25. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, I'll tell you why they were amazed in a moment. Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. 
And when he said that, it was almost like he blew confusion dust all over them. They were very confused. Look at the next two verses, verse 26. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Now why are they so confused? It was the belief in this culture during this time frame. It was their belief that people who were wealthy were viewed as people whom God had blessed. Okay, so if you had great wealth, you had God's blessing. Thus, it was inconceivable in the mind of a Jewish person that if a rich person couldn't get into heaven who was blessed by God, then (laughs) we got no shot. That's what they're thinking. If the rich dude isn't getting in, like what kind of kingdom are you talking about, Lord? And Jesus made it very clear when it comes to salvation, it has nothing to do with you. The, The gentleman asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do? It's not about anything that you do. The Bible's abundantly clear about that. Ephesians 2 says, it is by grace you've been saved, through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it's the free gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. So you can't, you can't earn your salvation, you can't pay your way in, you can't play your way in. In fact, Matthew 7, 21 through 23, Jesus, it's one of the most frightening passages, honestly, for me. But Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And many will say to me on that day, on judgment day, will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? We did all these things. We did things to inherit eternal life. And I'll tell them plainly, depart from me, evildoer. I never knew you. It's not about what we do. It's about a relationship. It's about knowing Christ. And the word new there is the word gnosko, which means this intimacy with God. Like, I, I want to know you. It's, not a, it's by grace and grace alone that you're saved. It's by faith in Jesus and what he did. It's not about what you do. It's about what he did. And putting your faith in that. that that's what it's all about. So he says it's, it's not a, he couldn't do anything to inherit eternal life. It's all about what I've done for you. Verse 28, Peter speaks up. He says, we left everything to follow you. You can almost hear him getting heated with the exclamation point. Hey, Jesus, come on. In fact, I love in Matthew, the same verse says, what will we get out of it? What will we get out of it? I think it's an honest question. Like if we let go of the wagon, what am I going to get out of this thing? I can almost hear Matthew. I'm kind of reading into the story a bit, but it's going, Jesus, I left everything. I left my family. I left the business. My parents are mad. (laughs) And don't get me wrong, it's been fun following you around. I love listening to you teach. I love seeing you do miracles. When you threw those demons into the pigs, that was hilarious. But like, this is not a great career path for me. What am I going to tell my friends at the 10-year reunion? Yeah, I follow this carpenter guy. Like, this is not a great career path for me. What am I going to get out of this? And this question, Jesus, what will I get out of it? I think you ought to be asking the same question. Well, Lord, if I give up my wagon... And all the stuff that's really valuable to me that props me up and gives me identity. If I give that to you, what am I going to get out of it? Is it a selfish question? Sure. But let's be honest. All of us are selfish to some degree. And so, okay, well, God, well, what am I going to get out of this thing? Anybody want to know the answer? Okay, four of you. The rest of you are dismissed. We'll see you next week. (laughs) This is what Jesus said. So good, verse 29. Very truly I tell you, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive, say it with me, 
a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Oh, man. I wish that rich young ruler hadn't walked away. He went away sad, carrying all the things that were his belongings, and he missed this. If you give this up, whatever you give up for me, I'm telling you, anything you give up to home, family, fields, whatever you give up for me, I want to give it back to you 100 times. Listen to this. This is Jesus' words, not mine, in this present age. This isn't exciting. Anybody this morning except one person. Listen, that's pretty awesome. I think a lot of us, we, we put our faith in Jesus and we check the eternal life box. We're like, okay, I'm going to heaven one day. I can't wait. Streets of gold. Woo! Right? And we, we think about that. We, listen, he's saying in this present age. Yeah, that's all good too. And that's great. That's one of the reasons I follow Christ. But I don't follow Christ only for eternal life. I follow him for abundant life right now. He says, in this present age, I want to give you a hundred times the blessing. It's going to happen here too. Let me illustrate this for you. Does anybody have, uh, have a dollar? <laughs> You're all broke. Somebody got a dollar? Awesome. Thank you. Anybody else have a dollar? Anybody else have a dollar? You get to keep it. Oh, okay, good, good. Okay, hey, stay here, stay here, stay here. Okay, hold that dollar. Okay, all right. Now, this is, this is gonna be a good day for you. Okay, so, so listen. Oh, I've got enough, I've got enough. Thank you, sweetie. <laughs> you were too, you snooze, you lose. Okay. All right, now listen. This is, a, this is not a trick question. You gotta think about this, okay? All right, you're in kindergarten. You're a smart kid. Okay, you see that? That's real. Okay? So now listen. There's a difference. So do you want 100% of that dollar or do you want 100 times that dollar? Now this is like, let's make a deal. You don't get to redo it, Okay? You want 100% or 100 times? 100 times. He's a very smart young man. Now, we don't always get what we want. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you 100%, okay? And then Pastor Josh, you can go see him after service, and he'll take up the other 99. All right, let's give it up for a volunteer. <laughs> And don't give that, that will give that dollar back to, to Joe Beth. I'm trying to teach her about sacrifice. All right. <laughs> you got to get this. So many people check off the eternal life box. They're just waiting for heaven to start. Oh, I gave my life to Jesus. I checked off the box. They're going to heaven, but their life is miserable today because they don't understand kingdom living in this present age. It's not my promise. It's Jesus' promise. He says, follow me. And it wasn't follow me after you die. He says, follow me right now for the things that I want to do in your life right now. There's so much more to this life that's just waiting for you before heaven. Like, it's kind of, have, how many of you have been to Disney, like Disneyland, Disney World? Okay. Uh, four spring breaks ago, my parents and, and my family got to go to, to, we took our kids to Disney World. 
And it is magical. It is, it is the happiest place on earth. My kids were smiling ear to ear. My wife, I think, was smiling bigger than my kids. It was awesome. And so you, you walk in, and this is kind of what the entrance looks like. And so you get to the entrance, and it's, it's just stunning. So just so you know, this is just part of the Disney way. They paint the light posts. They paint them with a fresh coat of paint every single night. Every single night. So when you come in, if this is your first time to come to Disney, you see fresh paint on the posts. I mean, their, their customer service is incredible. Everybody I talk to on the phone, they're not customer service. They're cast members. They're just, inc- it's incredible. And so you come in, and, and then you see the characters. The characters start coming out, and you see, oh, there's Buzz Lightyear, and there's Mickey Mouse, and there's Mary Poppins, and it's just amazing. You take your pictures with them. You can photobomb tourists. It's incredible. <laughs> and, then, and then you can get with your buddy, and there's, this, there's these beautiful carnations, and you can take a picture there with your friend. And uh, it's just incredible. So there you have your friend. and it's, just, it's, it's an amazing place. You have all these things happening, and, and you get your buddy there. It's a ton of fun. And people from every nation are represented. It's, it's incredible. But what, what? Some of you need your glasses. What if your whole Disney experience, what if your whole Disney experience was just at the entrance? You see where I'm going with this? You got a season pass. You can go in all day, every day. You just stay at the entrance. You're in, you're in Disney. You're in Disney. But you know, you see, there's Mickey. I got a picture with Mickey and I can buy some ice cream over here. Right? Like you're in Disney. You can go in every day. The happiest place on earth. But you just hang out in the entrance until someone looks on you with eyes of love and goes, Hey, I've been watching your Disney experience. Come here, I want to show you something. And he takes you through this tunnel and you pop out on Main Street. And there you see these incredible rides and amazing shows. You know, I had no idea this existed. And it's a kingdom of fun. It's a kingdom of joy. It's a kingdom of happiness. It's a kingdom of fun. Everywhere you go, you just had no idea because you were stuck at the entrance. Let me tell you why this is so personal to me. For the first 10, 15 years of my, of my faith, of my walk with Jesus Christ, I hung around. I loitered at the entrance to my faith. I, I tried to develop my faith in, in Christianese things, doing good Christian things, reading my Bible and praying, and those are not bad things. I just tried to fulfill Christian principles, and it was based more on Christian performance than on my relationship with him. I didn't understand kingdom living, and the kingdom I'm talking about is way greater than the magic one in Florida or California. You can have this today, in this present age, and in the age to come, eternal life. You can so how? All right, that's what you're thinking. How? Okay, how? I'm sold, Reed. I'm in. How do I get it? Jesus says it. Here's the equation. You ready? He says, follow Jesus, and then sacrifice is 100 times kingdom living. If you follow Jesus, and then you sacrifice, you will experience in this present age 100 times kingdom. Not 100%, 100 times kingdom living. That's what Jesus taught. Jesus meets my sacrifice and then a hundred times more results are manufactured than I could ever create on my own. And we don't even have to sacrifice the same thing either. So we were just in Mark 10. Let's jump two chapters to Mark chapter 12. I want to show you this story really quickly. Mark 12, look at these four verses. Beginning in verse 41, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. 
Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more, put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything. She gave her whole wagon all she had to live on. You know what's incredible? Is we're still talking about this woman who gave a few cents in 2019 in Snyder, Texas. We're still talking about her. She gave a few cents because it wasn't about the amount she gave. It was about the sacrifice that she gave. It's not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. That's why she's famous. And while we're talking about her 2,000 years later, it's the sacrifice. She gave her whole wagon. And listen, sacrifices are not always financial. I want you to know that. You can sacrifice other things and experience 100 times kingdom living. I'll give you an example. So when I was in Austin, not that long ago, um, I was out for a run. <laughs> okay, it was a jog. No, no, jogging would imply speed. I was, I was on a stroll. I was walking uh, to get ice cream. No, I'm kidding. I was, I was walking to the mailbox, and it was a couple of blocks away. <laughs> it was a couple of blocks away. My, my wife couldn't verify that. So we're, I'm walking to the mailbox, and, and I, I was just praying um, sometimes I do that, just spend some time with God. It was a beautiful evening. And I, I had just a lot of things that were causing me consternation and just things that we're just wrestling with internally. And one of the things my wife and I feel very called to adopt, um, we felt that calling for a few years. It's just really expensive. And we've looked at foster to adopt and we looked at some different and just none of those seemed like they were the right fit for our family at this time. And so anyway, we're just, we just hope like a baby shows up on our doorstep. We don't know. We just but we were trying to kind of save some money and, and do that. Well, we were also kind of believing in faith, just acting in faith, because when you adopt, a lot of times they do a home check, a wellness check for your home. And so we were trying to like clean up our home. So I was doing the garage cleanup. And as I was cleaning up my garage, I had all this sound equipment from a church plant that I was a part of. And it just got uh, given to me. And so I had, I had the sound equipment. I'm like, what am I going to do with all of this stuff? And so I'm just like walking and thinking about adoption and thinking about all this stuff in my garage. What am I going to do with it? And uh, so the next day, I was at one of my regional offices, McDonald's, and I was having some, uh, <laughs> I was having some McNuggets. And I see, I see uh, a pastor friend of mine came in. And I know him, and he's a talker. You know people like that. They're just talkers. I may be a talker. I don't know, but he, he's a talker. And it's not, it's not a, and, and one of my wagons is I'm, I'm, I, I overwork. I know that. I know that about my, the way I'm wired is that I, I love creating to-do lists and then checking off the to-do list, and I love working. And I have a strong work ethic. I'm working on it. It's my wagon. I'm trying to, I'm trying to give it to Jesus. And so that day I had a massive to-do list. And so I thought if I talk to him, I'm going to delay my day by 30 minutes at least. So he hasn't seen me yet. I see him. So I'm just trying to like just avoid him, right? And then God said, what are you doing, Reed? That's your friend. Like go over and say hello. And so um, it was my day off as if pastors get a day off. And I just, I'm, you know, I, I, I didn't want to talk to anybody. That sounds awful. I just didn't. And so I said, okay, God. And so I went over to him and I said, hey, Rob, how you doing? And uh, we talked for 30 minutes. And at the end of the conversation, he said what he always says, and this is something so special about my pastor friend, is he said, how can I pray for you? And I said, well, it's interesting that you asked that because just yesterday I was just thinking about my wife and I really want to adopt, and yet it's very expensive, and we don't know how we're going to be able to afford that, but we feel like there's some baby that needs love, and we want to provide love to that baby. And so 
I don't, I, don't, I don't know what that looks like. On top of that, we're trying to get our home ready just in case we ever did get a baby. And so we're trying to prepare our home. And I have all the sound equipment, and I have no idea what I'm supposed to do with it. And he goes, what do you mean sound equipment? I said, we have speakers and subwoofers and monitors and all kinds of stuff that we got from a church plant. And he says, well, our church is actually looking for some monitors, but they're really, really expensive. He goes, what, what kind of monitors do you have? And so I told him what they were. And he goes, that's exactly what we need. So I said, well, I'll just give them to you. And he goes, are you kidding me? No, no, no. He goes, you're asking about how God's going to financially provide for this child. And we need some monitors. And you're going to save us a bundle of money if we could get them off of you as opposed to buy them new. He said, let me pay you for these monitors. And you know how much he gave me per monitor? $100. No, he didn't. Uh, that would have been so cool. A hundred times, that would have been really cool. My stories never end up that way. No, he gave me 75 per monitor, and I had three monitors, so he gave me $225. And it blessed me, and it blessed him, and his church certainly. And it was, it was almost as if I could see Jesus sitting on the other side of that McDonald's booth going, Reed, I have so much more for you. I have so much more. If you would just stop what you're doing, put down your wagon, your stuff will get done. I've got more for you in this present age. I just want you to be patient. Give up your wagon and follow me. Here's a question for you this morning, and we're done. What's in your wagon? What's in your wagon? What do you need to sacrifice in order to fully follow Jesus? You know what happens to people who fully follow Jesus? They learn the stuff that they had in their wagon wasn't that valuable in the first place. It wasn't nearly as important as they thought it was. When they say, God, I want to give this to you. I'm all in. I'm giving you my whole heart. I'm going to use my time for you. I'm going to use my talents for you. What could you sacrifice? What's in your wagon? And I want to encourage you to write it down on a card. I have this card that I actually keep in my wallet. And I see it. It's right by my credit card, so I see it every day. And it, all it is, it's just, it's just this card that says 100 times. Because I, if you're like me, like I forget what I preached two weeks ago, right? So I, I want you to make some sort of a reminder so you see it. You, if, you're, if you're driving, you can take this and you can just like tape it onto your dashboard. So every time you see it, go, yeah, follow Jesus plus sacrifice, 100 times kingdom living. If you brush your teeth in the morning, you can write it on the back of your toothbrush, right? If you have a dog, shave it into its fur, right? Or get some sort of a tattoo, something, just some sort of a reminder. Uh, my wife is embarrassed I show that. She didn't want me showing off my body, but. Why are you laughing? <laughs> Amen. That's after CrossFit. Uh, make yourself some sort of a reminder. And I fold it this way so that I can just see just the tip of the black ink so that every time I, I pull this out, it's a multiple reminder every day. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. If I follow Jesus and a sacrifice, I get 100 times kingdom living in this present age. What's God asking you to sacrifice? The loving eyes of Jesus are looking on you saying, park your wagon and come follow me. Are you ready to leave the entrance of your faith and venture into something that you've never, ever experienced? Some of you are in your 70s and 80s and maybe even your 90s. I've had some people come to me and say, I'm experiencing new things in my faith just in the last year. 
Some of you have been loitering at the entrance of your faith, and I want to push you out and say, hey, this is not my promise, this is his promise. And all of a sudden, you'll be transformed, and you'll think like, and you'll be like, and you'll speak like Jesus. And that's how you'll be defined, not by your wagon, but by the kingdom living that's waiting on you. I want to give you an opportunity to respond today. And as I said a moment ago, it's not about anything you do. It all starts with following Jesus. Like you can't sacrifice and get 100 times kingdom loving. There's, a, there's another part of that equation, and it's following Jesus. And some of you just never started that fellowship of him. And I want to invite you to do that today. And so here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I'm going to pray a prayer. We're going to confess it with our mouths. We're going to believe it in our hearts. And we're going to get saved this morning. You can leave here a different person saved than you came in today if you've never made that profession of faith with God. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Just so, so anonymity, I, I, I know we need to make our faith public. We do, but it starts to happen private. That's where it starts. So I love every head to bow and every eye to close. And again, this is just so that no one's looking around, but just an opportunity for those who need to make this decision, they can do it with the, without a bunch of eyes looking at them. I'm the only eyes looking because I need to know who I'm praying for. So I'm gonna pray and I want you to pray with me. But if that's you and you say, Pastor Reed, include me in your prayer, would you just slip up your hand right now so I know who I'm praying for? Slip up your hand if that's you. Come on. Awesome. All right, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I do want to follow you. I do want to make you my Savior because I know you died for my sins. But I also want to make you my Lord, meaning that you're in control. You're in the driver's seat from this day forward. Forgive me of all my sins. I know it's not about what I do, but it's about what you did. And I put my faith in the cross of Christ today. And I'm thankful that you came out of the grave and you give me the ability to do the same thing. Give me 100 times kingdom living, Lord, when I follow you and I sacrifice, as your word says you will, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Can we just give a hand clap to those who made a decision, including those online? And on TV, we welcome you. We would love to know if you made a decision today. For those in the building, we've got a really simple way of doing that. You can actually just uh, fill out a connection card in the pew back in front of you. Just check the box that says, I'm committing my life to Jesus today. You can turn that in in the foyer at the table, and they'll give you a free T-shirt. But if you're watching online, you're watching on television, or maybe you're in the building and you don't have a connection card for some reason in your pew back, you can also take out your cell phone. And you can text the word SAVED to that number that's on the screen, 325-221-3001. So just text that one word SAVED to 325-221-3001. That's actually going to direct to me. And I'm going to get a message saying that you put your faith in Christ today. That's awesome. And I'm going to give you some next steps. We've got baptism coming up next month. I want to give you some resources that might be able to help you. So uh, please text me the word SAVED to 325-221-3001.